0: We are uh, thankful for your word. It declares the end from the very beginning, Lord, uh, things that are not yet done, you say, um, that your counsel would stand. And Lord, uh, we're so thankful for that, Lord. that you know what, what, our, what the future holds for this world, but you also know what our future holds, what our future looks like, Lord, and you've given us your word, a foundation, an anchor for our life, hope, light. Uh, that we hold on to, that navigates uh, us through this, this life. And uh, we just pray this morning, God, that you would speak to our hearts, that we'd be sensitive to you, Lord. We'd hear your voice today, Lord, and uh, in the midst of a lot of noise in this world, God, a lot of competing voices. This morning, I pray, Lord, we'd hear yours, Jesus, in your name. Amen. Uh, Luke chapter 8, Lu- Jesus is going from, from city to country, uh, preaching the word, the gospel, the kingdom. And as he's going, this crowd is amassing. It's getting bigger and bigger. And Jesus doesn't say, man, what a great crowd I'm attracting here. This is awesome. You know, It's so good to see this many people. Uh, but he looks at this crowd and says, really, what's going on? He looks inside the heart and says, there's more going on inside these people that meets the eye. And he compares the word of God to a seed. And he said that seed is being sown, it's being thrown out there, and the seed contains life, it's good. But the problem is the, the soil of somebody's heart, what that lands on, the ground of the heart that that seed lands on. Is it good or is it bad? And he says some lands on the ground, and it's basically a path he says it hits that ground and it cannot take root and the devil comes along and snatches it right out. There's no room for it. And then another seed falls on uh, this shallow soil. First is hard ground. The next one is this shallow soil. There's a rock underneath. So it quickly springs up. It looks like it's going to do something great. And then it can't, it can't get past that hard ground underneath. Trials. Jesus said trials and trials. Difficulties come and it chokes the word and it can't produce fruit. And then another one is grown up. Man, it's good soil. It's so good that the weeds start growing up with it. And the weeds choke out the word. And put and 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 push that and and stunt the growth. And that's temptation in someone's life. And then he says, you know, then there's then there's ones that are sown on good soil, and it bears fruit a hundredfold. Right? Those and, and Jesus picks up here, I'll pick up in verse 15 of Luke chapter 8. But the ones that fell on the good ground are those who, having heard the word with a noble and good heart, they keep it, and they bear fruit with patience. And then he says this in verse 16, and no one, when he has lit a lamp, covers it with vessels, with a vessel, or puts it under a bed. But he sets it on a lampstand that those who enter might see the light. For nothing nothing is secret that will not be revealed, nor anything hidden that will, that will not be known and come to light. Therefore, take heed, he doesn't say what you hear, he says how you hear. For whoever has to him, more will be given, and whoever does not have, even what he seems to have will be taken from him. So Jesus now is comparing <clears throat> the light that you've received, those who hear the word of God and it bears fruit, compares it to a lamp, and it's really your testimony. That's what Jesus is talking about, how important your testimony is to this world and in this world. <clears throat> I remember hunting, trying to make a long story short, I remember hunting in Letchworth Park. If you don't like hunting, I'm sorry. Uh, but we're hunting, and we hunted this little area, and then it's lunchtime, we we're having lunch, <clears throat> and the guy sits right on the road in a chair sits right there in this area that we just hunted. And I'm thinking, these guys aren't going to see anything. We just walked right through there. That's crazy. That's so dumb. I I should probably go over and tell them. But we're like, nah, let them hunt it. So we're sitting there eating lunch, and a bear walks out next to this guy and stands up on its hind legs. We're like, holy cow. And this guy, can't even grab his gun. He's like looking at this thing. And it drops down on all fours and heads into the woods behind him. I'm like, what in the world? I don't know. Maybe some of you guys have seen bears in Letchworth. You know, they're there, obviously. So that story being said, now I want to talk about light. So I'm hunting in Letchworth with, it's bow season. I hike in with my backpack, and and, and I, I go down a gully and up and down ridges and gullies. And I'm heading back in. I'm like, all right, this is a good spot. There's like a little apple orchard in there. So I just, you know, I've never been in there. I just said, you know, I can't, I'll, I'll, I'll set up here. I'm hunting. I see a lot of cool stuff. A hawk comes down and eats a squirrel in front of me and saw a couple deer. Nothing I really wanted to shoot. So anyways, I'm like, and it's raining now. No stars. I'm like, I better get back to my truck. So I get down, pack up my stand. It's a climbing tree stand. So everything's taking time. I'm like, man, now it's really dark. So I know, right how, I know exactly how to get to my truck. So I go down a gully, up a gully, and I'm like, "Here's my, here's the road." I get up, and it's all woods. I'm like, "Oh my gosh, this is not the truck." Where's the bear? Right? I'm like, "So I'm like, call 911." And maybe you've never done that. I call 911. Let's listen. I'm not, like, I'm not. This isn't an emergency. I just need someone. I'm I'm in Latchworth. Can someone just drive to my truck and honk the horn? Yeah, there's someone in the area. And I said, "By by the way, is there anybody?" Has anyone ever seen bear recently in the area? No, they're all down in Ashton And I'm like, yeah, I just saw one. Fires. So, and, I'm, and listen, I'm sure they're more scared of you than you are of them, right? That's what everyone tells you. I've never saw a person run up and attack a bear, right? So I'm like, can you tell me, just honk by my truck, so... All of a sudden, the police officer calls me back, and you know, the reception in Letchworth, on and off, on and off. I, so yes. oh, yeah, 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 yep. I'm right by your truck. Okay, good. I'm honking the horn. Good. Ready, go. No, I already did. I'm like, what? I cannot hear it. What do you mean you honked? So now, so I'm like, all right, I'm just going to head this way. And I still didn't hear the horn, but I could see, like I'm up on top of a hill now, and I can see. And he says, listen, I got my lights on. And I'm honking the horn. Well, I couldn't hear the horn, but I could see the lights. I'm like, well, listen, I see your lights. Perfect. I know which direction to go. I know, I know where to go now. It wasn't near my truck, I can tell you that. It was several miles away, right? Listen, if you've never got lost in Leftworth at night, go do that and then tell me I'm a baby, right? <laughs> uh, listen, all I have is a bow. Like, what? hold on, let me get my bow ready for it. So, uh, so I find my way back, whatever. But that's who you are in this life. You're light. Jesus said, you're the light of the world. That your light is a beacon. It's meant to, to, to tell people the direction to go in this life. Right? It's to, give, it's a, it's to get your bearings. Because like, people are walking through a very dark world in a very scary time. Like, what do you believe? Who do you believe? Was the election rigged? Was it like, what is going on with this world? What's happening? Who can you believe? Who can you trust? Well, I can tell you what, you can trust the word of God. It's a lamp. It's a light. And that's why Jesus said, listen, when you're born again, he compares your life now, it's a lamp. And he says, when it's lit and it's, it would be an oil lamp with a little wick coming out of it that they fill with oil, and you light it, and you set it in the room, right? You guys have all lost power before. Where's the candles? Where's the oil lamp? Or whatever you light when you don't, if you don't have a generator. And you light it, and then everyone can play cards and, and have a little heat or whatever at night so you, know, you can see. And Jesus said, you don't, you don't cover it with a vessel. I think it's in Matthew's gospel because Jesus will use this comparison more than once as he's teaching that your light it should be, your life should be a testimony to the world. He says you don't cover it with a basket, and that was that was uh, something that they would use in commerce. They would they would measure things with a basket. Maybe like compared compared to maybe your business or your work. Like does your work? Take precedence over Jesus. Like, I'm a testimony at church or here, but at work, you know, you got to separate work from, right? No. That, that is your testimony on the job. That's what makes you different than every other whatever, whatever you do. It's your testimony, right? Don't, don't think that, you know, I'm a, a carpenter or I used to install flooring Listen, this is work, and if I, don't, if I don't operate my business this way, how do you, everyone's operating their business that way. If I don't do that, how am I going to make any money? That's bogus. What's more important is your testimony that you are different in this world, that you do behave differently on the job. It should be different. You can't say, ah, oh, everyone does it. Well, you're not everyone. You're born again. You're supposed to be light and salt in this world should be different. So Jesus says that, or, or, and you don't put it under a bed. Jesus is talking about being lazy, like you're so busy with other things in this life that it just, I don't have time to shine. I can't, I'm just so busy on the job. We got to get this job done. I don't have time to talk to anyone today. I don't have time to share, right? You got to take time. The whole reason you're in this life as a christian not the whole reason but a good chunk of it part of your life is meant to be a testimony to other people You're supposed to shine in this world jesus said in matthew 5 let your light so shine before men that they might see your good works and glorify your father in heaven that's the the design of your life right they might see your good works. Wow, you're different. You're different. What, why are you different? Wow, let me tell you what Jesus did in my life, man. I, Man, he saved me, changed my life. Really? Yeah. Wow, that's, that's a wild story. And everyone here has a story, right? If you're born again. And then Jesus said, nothing is secret that will not be revealed, nor anything hidden that not, will not be uh, known and come to light, right? Because when you shine light on something, it reveals things, right? You look in the mirror, it's dark, right? I'll c- I come up to church early, look in the mirror, like I don't have any hair to fix or anything, but when it's light, like you realize, oh man, I missed that. Or, you know, if you shave your head or if you face, whatever, oh man, I missed that spot. or missed, right? That's what light does. It illuminates, It reveals things. That's what... uh, Turn to Hebrews chapter 4 with me just for one second. You guys know this. uh, Scripture, sure. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12 says, The Word of God is living and powerful. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. It pierces even to the division of soul and spirit, joints and marrow. And it's a discerner of thoughts and the intent of the heart. Like what your intentions are. The Bible challenges us, not just in what you're doing, but the intent of the things you do. Why are you doing that? Why are you acting that way? And it knows our thoughts. What? Yeah. You read the Bible and no one else knows what you're thinking, but all of a sudden you're convicted. Man, that's challenging. What, what do you mean that's challenging? Ah, never mind, hon. Don't worry about it, right? Because your wife not, might not know or your, your, your husband, but God's word, you read it and it talks to you. It tells you things about yourself that maybe you've pushed aside or you're not willing to admit, and it's a revealer. That's why Jesus says it's going to reveal anything that's hidden. It's going to come to light, and that's a good thing, right? For People throughout the Gospels that you see Jesus come to, and their their sin is revealed, and you know what? It's a good thing because Jesus touches them and changes their life. It's not a bad thing. Not that he's coming to condemn the world. He's coming to set people free. And he says, take heed how you hear, not what you hear, right? You know that if you've ever told your kids something to do. Not what you tell them, right? It's how they hear you. I thought you meant tomorrow. No. I said, go clean your room. No, I didn't mean tomorrow, right? Be careful how you hear, not what you hear. Because people can continually hear and hear and hear and never act on it, never do it. James says that. James says, be a doer of the word and not a hearer only, deceiving yourself. And he says, it's like somebody who looks in the mirror and sees themselves, I missed a spot. Then he walks away and forgets what kind of guy he was. Like, what did I see in the mirror? I forgot, Did, did I miss a spot? Do I have a... Hair out of my nose? I don't know. Like, what's the problem? And you forget what you had to change or something that needed to be fixed because you're only a hearer and not a doer. You're not willing to act on what you've heard. Right? And our kids and myself, we can be notorious of that, can't we? We hear it and we don't act on it. We know what's true. We know what's right. We don't do it. So, Jesus tells them that, and then verse 19, it says this, as he's teaching, I don't know if you've ever been interrupted before, his mother and brothers come to him, and they couldn't approach him because of the crowd, and it was told him by some who said, your mother and your brothers are standing outside, desiring to see you, and Jesus says to them, my mother and my brothers are those who hear the word of God, and they do it, So. Jesus uses that as an opportunity to continue to, to put an exclamation point on that, hearing God's word and doing it, hearing God's word and doing it. And these guys, you know, Jesus is so patient, right? He, he's, he, he's teaching, sharing this thing, and, and all of a sudden they're like, you know, he's talking. And if you have kids, they, you know that they do this. People do it. All of a sudden someone's like, hey, did Jesus? Listen, your mom and your brothers are here. Right? and Jesus is like instead of saying hey listen can i finish talking or, right he's like well listen let me tell you i want to tell you something about that you want to know who are my who's my mother who are my brothers there's those who hear the word of god and they and and they do it right those are those are those people and jesus doesn't he, you know he's so patient i've had, i've taught a couple times i've taught and some, some things have happened that have been interruptions One time I taught when we had our little little sanctuary over there, I was teaching and somebody had a heart attack. I'm like, "What's happening?" I think Missy might have helped her. Somebody they called 911. I'm like, "What happened?" We're praying for and ended up in Warsaw Hospital. She had a heart attack during service. That was crazy. Um, And we've had a couple medical incidents while I was teaching. Uh, But one time we were in Haiti. I feel like I want to uh, blame Reggie and Mary Lee, uh, but we were down in Haiti, and, and it was my turn to, to share, to teach down there. We were at the church, and, um, and it's not uncommon, but we lost power, and I was so stressed out about teaching. I'm like, oh my goodness, I got to, you know, I asked Ron Bouchard, I'm like, Ron, I don't really feel like teaching. Can you teach? He's like, no way, you're teaching. I'm like, ugh. So... I'm up there, and, and, you know, a dog comes down the center aisle, and, and we have one here. But it comes down the center aisle and lays down. I'm like, oh, that's interesting. You don't see that every day. And then all of a sudden, the power goes down. I'm like, thank you, Lord. I don't have to teach. And the guy who's interpreting for me, he goes, continue, continue. And, like, Mary Lee, everyone's shining their lights. And I'm like, get away from me. I want to do this. Right? That was a good interruption. I wanted to be interrupted at that, at that time. But Jesus is so patient. He says, listen, I want to I I use this. This is a teaching opportunity for you. The people that are closest to me, you want to know who are my relatives? Are people that hear what I say and they do it. Those are the closest people to me. My mother, my brothers, right? They hear my word and they care about what I say. They care about I've told my kids that before. Don't you care what I say?
1: Because there's a level of care
0: that someone takes when they hear someone. You're a spouse, you're listening to your spouse. Why? Because you care about what they say, what they're going through, what they need. Right? I wanna I wanna hear what you have to say. Why? Because you care. There's a relationship there. And then Jesus, and this happens twice. Uh, We have this recorded twice, two different times. Verse 22 says, it happened on a certain day that he got into a boat with his disciples and he said to them, let's cross over to the other side of the lake. But they launched out and they launched out. And as they sailed, he fell asleep and a windstorm came and came down on the lake, and they were filling with water and were in jeopardy. And they came to him and awoke him, saying, Master, Master, we're perishing. And he arose and rebuked the wind and the raging water, and they ceased, and there was a calm. And he said to them, Where's your faith? And they were afraid and marveled, saying one to another, Who can this be? For he commands even the winds and the water to obey him. Crazy, right? Jesus says, hey, let's cross over to the other side of the lake. Um, We went to, uh, Justin and I went to the Thousand Islands last year or so. Justin has a boat, fishing boat. And we went there to fish um, in the late summer, maybe early fall. And we're near Bolt Castle. And if you've ever been to the Thousand Islands near Bolt Castle... There's there, near where uh, it, it, it gets very narrow, and the water gets very rough. It's deep. It's right in the channel where all the major boats come through, the ocean liners. So we're there in Justin's boat, and I'm thinking, wow, the water's really rough here. Look at how deep it is. We're looking at his little graph like, that shows where all the rocks are and the depth of the water, and his boat stalls. I'm like, what? Come on. So he's trying to start it, start it, start it. Oh my goodness, this is it. Like, this is crazy. In the, in the water, there's like all these different currents and we're f- like flopping all over the place. And finally he gets it started and we kept going, we did some fishing. Then we headed back to where we were camping uh, and there's a, uh, it's called Goose Bay. We started heading in there uh, to fish and the river's a little low, but we, we have a graph that tells us where every... Rock is like because there's tons of rocks under the water if you've ever been there in, in a boat, so you have to have one of these things. I, I think maybe you don't have to, but I, I have to. So we're going through Goose Bay, and Justin's like, Huh, oh, what's that? I'm like, What's that? That's a rock. <laughs> and we hit the thing, but like, what do you mean, what's that? We've looked at a million of them, it's a rock under the water, we're running it over right now. And the skag rips off his boat, and the prop rips off his boat. So we left a souvenir in Goose Bay, there, and we're like, "Well, let's try to drive this thing. We're you know see what happens." So we keep driving it, and the, the motor shaking, the boat shaking. We're like, "All right, forget it. Let's we're shore fishermen now, right?" Which was probably better for us. Uh, but Jesus says, "Hey, let's cross over to the other side." And you know what? I think Peter, and John, and the, all the fishermen, the disciples were like, "Perfect." Jesus, that's across the lake. That's my expertise. Jump in the boat. Here, somebody give Jesus a pillow, because we got this. It was great. I love all the miracles. It was great how you healed this guy and did that. And you know, wonderful what but this I can do. Right? And and uh, so they get in the boat and they're part way across the Sea of Galilee, fairly big lake with lots of storms, wind that comes off these hills and There's temperature difference, and it gets pretty rough there from what I've heard. And so there's this massive storm, and the disciples are freaked out. And sometimes we look at life that way, like, all right, this is hard, so I need Jesus for this storm. I need Jesus for this situation. But when life is like sailing fairly easy, and things are calm, and and, man, that's my expertise. I do that all the time. We kind of put Jesus, go to sleep. You're fine. I don't need you right now. And that's what they do. He's in a pillow, on a pillow, asleep, in the boat, and these guys are like, we got it. But then the storm comes, and they're in jeopardy, and, he, and, and they're waking up, waking him up. Master, hey, we're going to perish if you don't do something. And Sometimes I think the storms of our life we go through, uh, I think it's Matthew's account of this might be Mark's. They say, Jesus, don't you care? Sometimes we go through things in this life, and that's our question. Like, Lord, would I be going through this storm if you actually care? Don't you care about what I'm going through? And of course he does. Of course he cares. He he died for you. He's going to die for these disciples. But that's that's an easy question. For us to have sometimes, because sometimes we go through things very hard and we realize, Lord, I, I feel like you could stop this at any moment. You could, all you have to do is speak and the storm's going to be stilled. Why don't you? Why, don't, why do I have to go through this storm? You have to go back and remember what Jesus said to the disciples. And sometimes we have to go back and remember what Jesus said to you and I. We have to be in the word of God. Because he didn't say, let's go to the center and flip this sucker over and see if we can make it. He says, we're going to cross over to the other side, get in the boat. He didn't say how rough the water was going to be. Maybe we wouldn't have gotten the boat. Like, I'll take a camel storm. Let's go around the lake. Let me jump on a, let's, let's, ju- let's take a donkey. I'd rather take a, a, a sandstorm than, a, than a, a storm on a lake. They jump in the boat. Why? Because so many of them are familiar with it. It's okay. But we have to remember what God says. Jesus said, hey, well, let's go over to the other side. Where we're going, that's where you're going to touch land on the other side. Sometimes we have to remember that. And that's what the word of God does for us. It reminds us what God says. You're going to make it. I'm working this out. You know, Romans, we know that all things Work together for good for those who love God and are called according to his purposes. Not, not all good things, right? Heard that before. Not all good things work together for good, but all things, right? You make a cake. Who eats three tablespoons of salt? But when you make cake, that's what goes in, right? Uh, maybe it doesn't, I don't know. Or who eats a, you know, a cup of flour? I don't know. You got to ask somebody who makes cakes. Sometimes the ingredients by themselves It's like, I wouldn't eat all of that at once, but man, if you put it all together and mix it up, look at what it makes. And that's what God does with the things in your life, in my life. Takes them and puts them all together and he's working all those things for the good. And we have to remember that. He takes a lot of situations. And part of it is, is it's all about their faith. He says, where is your faith? Where's your faith, right? Because if your faith is never exercised, You become weaker and weaker and
1: weaker and weaker.
0: He says, where's your faith? I want to tell you guys something. The disciples, your faith is what I'm worried about because there's going to come storms in life that are going to shake your faith. It's going to want to shipwreck your faith and destroy your faith. So we're going to work on your faith. Your faith needs to be stronger. And it says that he rebuked the wind and the raging water, much the way Jesus would rebuke a demon. You see that in the Gospels. Many people think that this storm was, you know, the devil's like, I got Jesus and all the disciples in a boat. Now's the time to sink the ship. And Jesus rebukes it, that this storm, the source of it was the devil, and it's an an attack. But you know what? God takes that storm that the devil has planned for your life and purposes for your life, and he takes it and he flips it, the way he did with Joseph. Joseph would tell his brothers, listen, the things, the plan that you had for me was for evil, in Genesis chapter fifty. Everything you had planned for me, it was so evil, but God took it and changed it to save many people alive. Right? You tried to kill me, sell me into slavery, slavery, threw me down a pit, told my dad I was dead. But all that was done so I could be in Egypt, and God put me second in command behind Pharaoh to save you and God's people. So there's a purpose in the storm and the things that look so hard and difficult. Like, why are we going through this? Well, listen, I don't know. Joseph didn't know until he finally got out of prison that Potiphar threw him in, in Egypt, and and had to interpret this dream for Pharaoh. And Pharaoh's like, you're the guy I need to help me incorporate this plan for the seven years of plenty and seven years of famine. I need your help. And then probably the light clicked on, right? The light clicks on hard for me sometimes. Oh, Lord, I didn't see that. Right? People around you might see it. And Joseph sees it and like, yeah. That's why, right? Sometimes we don't see the storm, right? It's so easy to look at the storm when we're right in the center of it. It's hard to see anything else, especially if it's an intense storm and you're really worried. Like this is, is uh, a life-threatening storm that they're going through. These guys are going through something very difficult. It's hard to get your eye off that sometimes. But we need to remember
1: what God says.
0: He says, where's your faith? And they're blown away. Like, oh, he can control the wind and the sea, the waves. They obey him.
1: So they have this near-death experience. And it changes those guys. And you'll see why I think probably
0: the source of this storm was the devil. Because as they sail across the Sea of Galilee, verse 26 says that they came to the country of the Gadarenes which is opposite Galilee. And he steps out. He stepped out onto the land, and there met him a certain man from the city who had demons for a long time. And he wore no clothes. Nor did he live in a house but in the tomb. So these guys have this near-death experience, but the devil sees better than us, I think, sometimes. Like, they're crossing the sea, and Jesus in his mind is probably thinking, there's someone I want to rescue. Somebody who's bound up, ready to die. Like these demons are ready to kill him. And the disciples are thinking, I wonder what we're going to eat on the other side. Where's the only good restaurants in Gadara? Like that's the way I think sometimes, right? And, but the devil knows that Jesus is going there to heal this guy. And here comes the storm. And they get there. And the disciples are like, made it, right? They jump out of the boat. There's a foot of water, and they get to shore, and they're like, what the? They hear a shriek and a cry, and they're like, is that what I think it is? Um, and they can't jump back in the boat. They just, just had this major storm. They're like stuck on land, and this guy who's naked, and, and, and the Gospels say that this guy, was tormenting himself, hurting himself, cutting himself. He says there's two of them, the other gospels. And he's cutting himself. They put him in chains. And he continues to break them. They segregated him. Can't even be in town. Can't even be with anyone else. But Jesus has a plan for this man. But he's under the power of something, the influence of. Demonic uh, forces, demons, they're
1: influencing his life.
0: It says, for a long time, verse 27. He didn't live in a house, but he lived in the tombs. He lived among dead people, in caves. When he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell down before him. And with a vo- loud voice, he said, what, did I, what have I to do with you, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I beg you, don't torment me.
1: So the first thing,
0: it's not this guy speaking. It's the demons that are controlling him. They said, and, and, and you know what they do? They cry out for God's mercy
1: grace.
0: right? Because they know God's mercy and grace. That's what Moses is like, Lord, show me your glory. I want to see your glory. God says, well, you can't see me and live. I'll put you in the cleft of the rock, and I'm going to let my glory will pass by behind you. And then he spoke the name of the Lord as he passed by. The Lord God, he's merciful. He's gracious. He's long-suffering, right? And the demons know that, and they say, oh, don't torment me before the time. But what are they doing to... Talk about hypocrisy. What are they doing to this guy? They're tormenting him to death. But then, for them, oh, give me mercy. Give me mercy. They want to kill this guy. That's their goal. The thief only comes to steal, kill, kill, And to destroy, and they say, "Hey, don't don't torment us." For he commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man. Verse twenty nine. For it had often time. Here's his the commentary on his life. Part of it, we get a a fuller commentary when you read uh, Mark and Matthew. It would seize him, and he was kept under guard and bound with chains and shackles, and he broke the bonds, and was driven by the demon into the wilderness. He would cut
1: himself, harming himself, self-harm. And, and Jesus said, what's your name?
0: What's your name? He doesn't say Levi. Or Benjamin, or, he, he says, legion, because many demons had entered into him. My name's, Demon, or my name's legion. A Roman legion was 6,000 men. Did this guy have 6,000 demons in him? I don't know. We know the. we're going to see what their intent was. Because Jesus is going to cast these demons out. It says, verse 31, they begged him that he would not com- command them to go into the abyss. If you read Revelation chapter 9, the abyss is a-, a holding place for demons that are going to be let out during the tribulation. They're like, don't send us there. We don't want to go there, right? But there is a holding place. So they know, th- th- you know, they know eschatology and Bible prophecy, and they know who Jesus is right away, identified him, like they know exactly who he is. And they say, don't send us to the abyss. And it says, a herd of many swine, verse 32, was feeding there on a mountain, and they begged him that he would permit them to enter. And he permitted them. And the demons went out of the man and entered into the swine. And it doesn't take 10 seconds to do to these swine what these people were trying to do to this demon his whole life. They entered the swine and the herd ran violently down the steep place into the lake and drowned. That's the devil's intention for a life, to bind them and to hold them.
1: Immediately, they die.
0: And when those who fed them saw what had happened, they they fled and told it in the city and in the country. And they went out to see what had happened, and they came to Jesus and found the man whom the demons had departed, sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind. Like, that was mind-blowing to these people because they knew who he was. That's why Jesus said that you're the light of the world because your testimony matters. People like this, like it was mind-blowing to people. Wait a second. I saw you cut yourself. I saw you do, I saw you harm yourself. I saw who you used to be, how you treat, why are you so different?
1: And they saw him clothed and in his right mind and they were afraid.
0: And they also who had seen it told them by what means he who had been demon-possessed was healed. And the whole multitude of the surrounding region of the Gadarenes asked him to depart from them, for they were seized with great fear, and he got into the boat, and he returned. What? So you, you just saw what happened to this guy, and you're more concerned with the pigs that ran over the cliff, than you are this man who's been changed and healed. And he's different, noticeably. And, and this region, having the pigs in that region, uh, in, in that area, it was a no-no for Jews. They were unclean. And it, and it really is, is telling of the, the, where they lived, how debased it became and how bad it was that they were raising pigs there. And, and what, what they had thought of God and his word, like they didn't care what God said. I'm, pigs, you know, they're worth money. Let's raise them. This, let's do it. It's worth money or whatever. And it just shows the, that how low they got in their moral compass and conscience in their life. And now they're more concerned with the pigs than they are this man. And that's what happened. That's what happens to a world in Romans 1 says people, you worship the creature more than the creator. People are more worried about an eagle egg than a baby in a womb, right? That's viable tissue. It's not real. Well, That's not what the Bible says. But if you harm an eagle egg, why is that an eagle? Like, it's scrambled eggs. Like, what? But if you harm it, you'll go to jail or get fined or whatever they can possibly do to you, right? Fish out of season or hunt out of season, uh, and you're in trouble. Harm a baby in the womb, and they've got laws. Actually, you know, you can take them all the way to full term and kill them.
1: It's 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 a debased nation, separate from God. Where we're headed, scary. and they wanted him to leave. It says this. In Luke, I can find it in my notes. Luke chapter 11, turn there with me for a second.
0: Luke chapter 11, verse 24. It says, when an unclean spirit goes out of a man, he goes through dry places seeking rest, and he finds none. And then he says, you know what? I'm going to return to the house from which I came. And when he comes, he finds it swept and put in order. And he goes and takes with him seven other spirits more wicked than himself. And they enter and they dwell there, and the last day of the man is worse than the first. Kind of scary. Kind of self-reformation. Like, I'm going to be a better person. I'm going to be a better man, a better woman. And you say, I'm going to clean up my act. But apart from God's spirit and redemption, you can clean your life up and sweep it and quit this and, you know, Join this and do this. But apart from God's Spirit, if God's Spirit doesn't enter a life and fill that home, then you're wide open still. And it says, I just look at that life and and, wow, now there's more room for us. He calls seven friends and they enter into that life. That's, That's probably part of what this guy went through. Like, I'm going to be a better, you know, wake up to, after a, uh, a bad night and say, you know what, I'm going to be a better person. I've done that before, before I was a Christian. Like, I got to change my act. This is crazy. What am I doing? But no power to change, no power to maintain, no power to be really different. And you just go back, and maybe even worse, Jesus transforms this guy. He's clothed in his right mind. And they want Jesus to leave. Jesus said that to the church at Laodicea. Revelation chapter 3. He says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. Right? So he's knocking. And then he says, if anyone hears my voice, I will come in, and I'll sup, with, I'll eat, we'll have a meal together, we'll have fellowship. If you hear my voice, if you respond to my knocking, if you hear that today, a lot of people hear it, right? You've done it before, right? Quick, hide. Kind of Look, like we're not here. You ever do that? I've never done it. I just heard people do that.
1: All right, then here comes the knock
0: at the door. It's hard. I mean, I live in the country, so it's not like people pull in. You're not going anywhere. But here comes the knock, and you pretend like you can't hear it, or you go, you know. Jesus said, you hear the knock my voice. You've got to respond. It's up to you to respond. It's personal. But for them, and Jesus is a gentleman, he's not going to break the door down, not going to kick it in. He says, I'm going to stand out here and knock. I'm going to call your name. You're going you're to bear witness to the word being spoken into your ears. But I'm, I'm not going to kick in the door. I'm just going to knock. He's a gentleman. It's an invitation. Are you willing to invite him in?
1: Not going to kick in the door.
0: But it says this, verse thirty-eight: the man from whom the demons had departed begged him that he might be with him. Like Jesus, stay. Can I come with you? Like how can we work this out? And Jesus sent him away. Seems harsh, right? Jesus says, No, you're not. What? There's no room on the boat. We're hitting another. St- I don't know. But this is what Jesus tells them, return to your own house and tell what great things God has done for you. That's, that's, a, that's the greatest witness. That was Paul the apostle when, when he was in Ephesus at the shore of Milita. He says, listen, you remember what I did and what I said? My witness is important, not only what I do, but what I say. That's a witness, Anything apart from if what you're doing is different than what you're saying or what you're saying is different than what you're doing, it's hypocrisy. And people see it, see right through it.
1: He says, just go tell people what God's done for you.
0: And it's interesting. Jesus said, go tell them what God has done for you. And he went his way and proclaimed throughout the whole city what great things Jesus had done for him. Why? Because Jesus is God. Go tell him what God has done for you. And he went through every city and proclaimed what Jesus had done. Why? Jesus is God. Clearly. So it was when Jesus returned that the multitude welcomed him, for they were waiting for him. So Jesus went back to where he was welcomed. But not everyone was listening completely. The big crowd, but it's going gonna, it's gonna to narrow. It's going it to lessen and lessen. The closer Jesus gets to the cross and his teachings, the fewer people, people there are. It's hard for people to follow Jesus sometimes. Right? Hard. Jesus said, if you want to follow me, you need to deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. Sacrifice. It's, Lord, here's my life. For all that you've done for me, here's my life. Right. That's why Mary Magdalene, uh, out of whom it says was cast seven demons, this guy says he was cutting himself, hurting himself. People couldn't even be around him. Imagine this woman who's, who's... following Jesus, serving him with, his, with her goods. She's at the cross. She's at the tomb. First person that, that has the privilege to share the resurrection. Why? Because she just appreciated what God had done for her. Jesus, thank you. My life was imploding. Thank you. She just followed him and served him. Right? We get to do that. You get to serve Jesus with your life. It's, you know, our lives, they're of high value to us. Like you wake up in the morning, that's who you're thinking about, right? You go to bed, probably thinking about yourself. Go through the day, if you're anything like me, right? But the reality is, is, you know, our lives in comparison are a small little drop in the bucket. The Bible says our life is a vapor. It's small. It doesn't mean a lot. But God wants to use our life and take our life, and he's worthy of it. Paul said that it's your reasonable service just to, oh, Lord, here's my life. I want to serve you with this little bit of time I have. Not much I can do, but I want to give it to you. He's worthy of it. Should be a response. It's part of the fruit of a life. The response of a real work of God. Lord, here it is. I hear the word and I do it. I want to respond to you. I want to be like you. Right? So, this guy, no matter how he was treated in that town, shackled, excluded, can't imagine how he was treated, he went back and said, Look what God did to me. I'm different. This guy didn't have unforgiveness, bitterness. Just guy's like, look at my life. Like, what, you're talking to me again? Yeah, I'm talking. Look at what I'm, I'm different. I'm a different guy, a different person. So Lord, we thank you for your word, the truth of it, the power of it, Lord, the power of your work in our life, Lord. We want to shine. I pray if there's anything that's quenching the voltage, the wattage, the whatever it is uh, for us to shine. Uh, I pray that those things, uh, that we'd be aware of those things, Lord. We want to shine for you wherever we go, whatever we do, our occupation. That's what it means to be sprinkled into this world as salt, that we're everywhere, and we reflect your glory. We're a reflection. We're not our own source of light. We just reflect your light, Lord. You're the source of it. You're the oil inside the lamp in a life. And so I pray that that we would burn brighter for you, Lord. Pray that you would help us. Uh, And we love you, Jesus. We just
1: give you our lives in your name.